Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And just when we thought we saw maybe the most memorable Packer game in a decade two weeks ago, it was surpassed yesterday in the NFC North Division Championship game where Aaron Rodgers comes back from injury and leads the Green Bay Packers to a thrilling 33-28 to victory over their arch-rival Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Uh, there is going to be tons to talk about uh, pertaining to yesterday's game, and also now, because of what happened to yesterday, remarkably, or happened yesterday, remarkably, we are going to have another Packer game uh, on this strange, strange season. We're, we're hopefully going to touch on a, a whole bunch of different things today, and we'll also preview some of the other games as well. But, Matt, i got to bring you in here. And I, a few weeks ago, didn't think we'd be pulling out back in the high life again to signify another division victory for the Green Bay Packers. Um, quite honestly, when the game was down to 4th and eight. I was almost welcoming the end of the season because of how exhausting it has been at times. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers with one 48-yard pass to Randall Cobb sucked me right back in. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet to hear that song again, especially uh, with a division championship that we, you know, a few weeks ago we thought there was no way. Um, and then they cap it off like they did. Like you said, they kept putting on these third and fourth downs, and you think eventually <laughs> their luck's going to run out, especially, you know, on that quick out to Jordy on the one before that, mm-hmm. I think. and. Um, you're just like they can't just keep doing this, and and all of a sudden, you know, one of the most memorable plays that we've had in our lifetime as Packer fans, and um, yeah, just absolutely incredible. And I, I'm almost kind of forgetting that they still have another game to play. That almost seemed like it was kind of like a mini Super Bowl for us, you know, beating the Bears for the division, and um, yeah, just wow, completely incredible. Yeah, and obviously we don't know what's in store for this team on Sunday or perhaps past that, but I am one of the more cynical fans, obviously, and a lot of times we've talked about how what's the point in going to the playoffs, this team isn't good enough to do anything, and maybe I've talked more like that than you have, but getting moments like yesterday and getting the division title the way they have this year, it kind of reminds you that, yes, you want to win the Super Bowl, and you know, some of those years where it's hard to decide that is the joy of the Cardinals beating the Vikings to get the Packers in worth the despair of 4th and 26, you kind of have to balance that out. But, gosh, just making the playoffs is still really, really awesome. And I'm it might suck to be the Red Sox of the 70s and 80s at times just with these heartbreaking playoff losses, but it's still better than being Buffalo or the Browns or Detroit. We've had some awesome moments, and, and yesterday's as good as any we've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely, and we, I think we kind of got a taste of a little humble pie at the end of this season, whereas <laughs> now we're, we're satisfied with a big division win, um, you know, whereas over the last four, oh, heck, heck our whole, almost whole lifetime as Packer fans, a division title doesn't mean much. It's what mm-hmm. can you do after that. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be so thrilled with this division win, and like you said, we don't know what's going to happen from here, but it's, uh, yeah, it, for right now, it's worth it. You know, that mm-hmm. Cardinals-Vikings game was one of the most memorable moments of my life as a Packer fan. Mm-hmm. Um, 4th and 26 obviously killed us a little bit inside. <laughs> but, uh, you know, right now, this is definitely worth it. And, um, you know, as opposed to years past, I don't think we have as high of expectations going into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So it's nice just to be able to enjoy this win. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think everybody is doing that. And, you know, 
I kind of had a little bit of a change in perspective even before the game started yesterday just because um, our sister had pointed out to me that there was a poll in the uh, Chicago Tribune asking fans who they thought was going to win the game on Sunday, and the Bears fans all said the Packers were going to win. Huh. And I was just thinking on our end, we just think about you know Dom getting run out of Candlestick Park and the whole coaching staff getting completely outcoached and the players completely outplayed in the 2011 divisional round and the complete defensive collapse in 2009 and these really good potentially championship teams just getting bounced in devastating, embarrassing fashion. But when you're not at that position every year, when you're the Bears or you're the Vikings or you're the Lions, from the outside looking in, the Packers must seem like this unbeatable, clutchest of clutch <laughs> dynasty that yeah. never loses in these situations. And so it kind of changed my perspective. It's like, wow, we, we have it better than I say we do a lot of times. Yeah, and it's, I mean, we're spoiled. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we win more than almost every other team in the league. But, I mean, just look at the Bears, for instance. They've been a good team. I mean, we look at them as a good team over the past, you know, five, six years. But Cutler's what now? One and eight against the Packers, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he's, he's, yeah, I think one and nine or something like that. And the Lions never beat us. And Minnesota, I mean, is the worst out of all of them. So, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's got to be frustrating, not just for them. But, I mean, look at 20 of the teams around the league that never sniff you know, the playoffs or having a real chance at doing anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, we're definitely lucky and we're definitely spoiled at times and it's easy to complain, uh, especially when you know you have Aaron Rodgers and expect to win the Super Bowl every year. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I guess we're lucky is the moral of the story. Yeah, and I guess while we're just on this topic before we delve into the yesterday's game, um, you know, I wonder how the reaction is from non-Packer fans. Uh, and it's really hard to gauge that. Um, because the only fans you really ever hear about, you know, are, are on message boards and on websites and comment sections, and those people are all lunatics. So I don't really know how other fans feel about the Packers winning. I know there's gotta be some people that are pretty ticked off that they're an 8, 7, and 1 team that's in the playoffs when there's, you know, a, a 10 and 6 team that's out. Uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, I'll say this. I have no sympathy whatsoever for you being out of the playoffs. You are a 9-7 and team that hosted the NFC Championship game five years ago, so you're owed this back. Yep. Um, but what do you, th- do you think teams are rooting, or uh, fans of other teams, do you think they're, you know, unless they're a big rival, do you think they're, you know, were excited by yesterday? Were they like, oh no, here we go again, another tough team that we got to get out of the playoffs? What do you think the non-Packer fan of other teams, uh, what their reaction was to yesterday? Well, that's a good question. I think in terms of of our other playoff foes, I would think that they might have been rooting for Chicago. I'd much rather play Jay Cutler in the playoffs in that terrible defense than Aaron Rodgers in our terrible defense. <laughs> our little less terrible defense. Yeah, right. So I, I think in terms of our playoff competitors, I would be scared seeing Aaron Rodgers coming to town regardless of how many other injuries we have and how average we've been at times this year, even with 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess in terms of... The non-playoff um, teams, just kind of onlookers. I, I would, I don't know. Nobody likes Jay Cutler. It seems <laughs> like, um, I don't know. It's probably a tough one. I mean, we're a team that's always there, so I think it's kind of like us with Pittsburgh. I was kind of pumped that they missed out yesterday. They're always there, so sure. I don't know. Maybe it, they wouldn't have minded seeing a different team in there, but I don't think they probably care a whole lot. Yeah, and I think that Pittsburgh analogy is real good. Um, I was myself also relieved, and it just goes to the fact that I was. You know, Baltimore, too, that I'm just tired of watching Big Ben and Joe Flacco in the playoffs. I wanted to yeah. see some Phillip Rivers and Andy Dalton instead. 
Um, so maybe that's kind of how they are with the Packers uh, a little bit. Although I think maybe the Vikings have a you know people like them just because of what's happened to them. But I, I, I get the feeling that nobody really likes the Bears and that um, everybody around the league pretty much hates Detroit. So I think yeah. that, <laughs> that they probably might think that the Packers are the the, the best of the worst situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's delve into this game in depth, which was a tremendous game. Uh, it started off quite rocky, and I know I texted you this uh, early on that it was clear Aaron Rodgers in the beginning of the game was terrified uh, to get touched. And I don't mean that as a slam on his toughness or anything, but, you know, he's an injured person playing the team that injured him in the cold for the first time in eight weeks. Uh, completely understandable, but I thought right from the get-go that uh, we might be in trouble because if he wasn't willing to stick in the pocket and make some of those plays that we've pretty much needed him to make every time we've beaten the Bears, that this was going to be a really tough one. Yeah, and he was just running around like a madman there in the first half, and anytime anybody got anywhere close to him, the, I mean, the ball was gone, or he was, you know, just being super conservative, and I was actually fine with that, but mm-hmm. you just wonder about his mental state at that point, you know, if he's that concerned about getting touched and getting re-injured again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to play quarterback when that's all that's on your mind, and you could clearly tell it was, I mean, I'm sure he probably wouldn't come out and say that, but just watch the first half, and it's, it's pretty clear that that was going through his brain, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it really seemed to kind of go away in the second half. At least I didn't notice it as much. I mean, he had that obviously the great uh, escape play on that touchdown to Cobb. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was in his mind, and it, it, it. We're probably lucky that he didn't throw a couple of more uh, picks or take some more sacks or maybe mm-hmm. hit some like phantom sacks or anything <laughs> just from trying to stay out of the way of getting hit. But it was clearly uh, it was evident that he was definitely feeling the pressure. Yeah, and. Then throwing the interception on the first drive, and then the second or third drive throwing another interception, and it feels like I'm being such a nitpicky person, but you, you've you always can tell for years that Aaron Rodgers is a cautious player, and it really, really bothers him when he throws interceptions. I'm not saying that he, he goes in a super conservative mode, but he, he doesn't just shake it off like who cares, like Brett Favre does, and come out and throw one on the next three drives. Yeah. Um, so I was worried about him. I'm like, geez, he, he's going to want so bad to win this game that I wonder if he's just going to be too conservative and we're going to have a hard time moving the ball down the field. But, you know, this almost in many ways was the anti-Aaron Rodgers game where he just didn't seem to be bothered by the interceptions at all. And he seemed, a lot of times we've seen him where the rush will bother him or 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 something along those lines. And he got braver in the face of the rush. He ran more in the second half. Mm-hmm. And I think he just needed to get his legs back underneath him and get comfortable. But this is a game, I guess, to already go right up to the macro, uh, I guess, analysis. This is the game that Aaron Rodgers deserves to have. And it's been years now where we've just seen him play really, really well and lose, like, a lot in these big situations. And this one, he had an 85 quarterback rating, which is just average, two touchdowns, two interceptions. When you look at that stat line, you say, oh, the team bailed him out. But that wasn't the case. He, he put the team on his back um, in the second half, and... To see Aaron get to win a come-from-behind game with an 85 passer rating when he played better than an 85 passer rating is just something that it feels like, at least me as a, a you know, 
amateur historian of the NFL feels like he was owed this, and I was so happy for him, and I was waiting for the defense to give it away, and when they secured it for him, I, I felt so happy for Aaron that he finally gets one of those games where um, we said last week his chance to be in Packers folklore, and he vaulted himself right to the top. Oh, absolutely, and and they've had games like this before where he's come back and scored, and not quite in that fashion, but then the defense has just given it up right away, so I think we were all kind of scared. Um, but yeah, just a great moment, and to, it's a very Farvian stat line, really. I mean, 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, two picks, and it, it was it seemed like a very Brett Favre like Aaron Rodgers game. Yeah, um, and it was uh, and then the magic to go along with it too, that Boykin touchdown, and then the bomb at the <laughs> end. It just just seemed like four was still back there, but I mean, he absolutely deserved the win to come back and gut it out like he did, and in the second half, you know, just just playing like a like a true champion, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's, I, I don't know, the best moment in his career. <laughs> I don't know if oh. you could say that he's won a Super Bowl, but I mean, it, it was awesome. Yeah, it's got to be number two or three. I still think yeah. that for for me, the defining moment of Aaron Rodgers' career so far is that third and ten uh, zip line pass to Greg Jennings in the Super Bowl when they yep. were really on the ropes and. You know, yeah, just, it's hard to top any Super Bowl thing, regardless of how amazing it, it was. It's just a regular season game, and mm-hmm. and I also think a lot of that Falcons game where he just torched Atlanta the divisional round that same year too. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's definitely got to be up there for him. Well, and just it was a John Kuhn block, a, a chip block of Julius Peppers away from ending in a typical Aaron Rodgers close game failure. Mm-hmm. Be- because he seems to be the guy who's not Brett Favre and throws the crippling interception, but is victimized by a missed bi- blitz pickup or a deflected pass or a missed route, and he almost got sacked on a, I don't know if it was a missed blitz pickup or just a good defensive call, and then a lot of times he's had in the Arizona game where he's had an open guy and he's overthrown him. He gets the... Re- John Kuhn bails him out. He makes a phenomenal play to recognize it, allows Kuhn to cut him off. He goes, rolls to his left, throws, you know, basically backpedaling to a wide-open guy, which I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know if I, even if I had the skills of Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if I could ever make that throw. I would throw it through the goalposts, I think, seeing him wide open. Can you imagine that one second, like, what's going on? His heart probably exploded. (laughs) I mean, if you're back there, you see a wide-open guy on fourth down for the division championship to make the playoffs. I mean... To knock out the team that ended your season, basically. Right. I can't imagine your arm not just going to put it. (laughs) The ball just hit the ground. I mean, it's got to be so nerve-wracking to see that. Um, I mean, from what I can kind of relate it to is, you know, as a wide receiver, if you see a pass flying through the air 40 yards at you, you're, you know, it, it seems like an eternity, and all you have to do during the time the ball's in the air is just worry about if you're going to catch it or not. <laughs> Where he's got an, he's got a wide open receiver, nobody around him, um, and you're just so worried that you're going to make yourself look like an idiot and completely miss it. So it, it seemed like an easy throw, but it definitely was not, especially going off his back foot like that. Yeah, and I don't know how many quarterbacks in the NFL would have made that. They would have underthrown it. They would have overthrown it. They would have thrown, you know, knowing half of the league now, they would have thrown check downs. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Or maybe would have tried to run for it. Th- that was just a phenomenal play. And they got lucky. And the, I think the Bears played it well. I mean, they blitzed seven guys. And I was reading a article from a Chicago newspaper basically saying, well, how the heck could you let Randall Cobb get that wide open? And, and basically when you watch it, they sent seven. And if he doesn't get home... And the Packers adjust, which Randall Cobb apparently uh, just str- 
ran a streak to the end zone when he saw that yeah. there was single coverage and and Rodgers obviously adjusted accordingly that you're basically dead to rights if you pick up the blitz. And Kuhn maybe making the unsung hero play of the year, uh, knocking Julius Peppers over, and then basically it was over, and Aaron just had to make the throw. Yeah, it seemed like the right defensive play call because they were set up perfectly to do what they needed to do. They just had to get Rodgers down. And they and that always so, works against the Packers, historically, yeah. against Rodgers. Yeah, and not only Kuhn making a nice block, but Rodgers doing a nice job staying up and not just taking a sack there, too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and give Cobb credit. I mean, it made it look easy because he just ran straight down the field, but he <laughs> blew right by the defense. So, mm-hmm. um, and speaking of him, I mean, it's hard not to get super pumped up about what he did, too. Mm-hmm. Two catches, 55 yards, two touchdowns, just awesome. Yeah, and uh, kind of going back to what you were saying about being a wide receiver and just all you can do all the balls in the air and just panic and think about how you're going to drop it, he basically admitted that in the post game, talking about how he thought five different ways to catch the ball as it was on its way. And uh, he made the catch, and not only making the catch, but that was a still a pretty heavily contested you know, final few yards where he could have dropped it or he could have fumbled it or got tackled, and he secured it, and he made sure he stuck it out over the line of scrimmage before the guy made uh, or the... Uh, uh, the goal line before uh, the defender made really good contact with him to basically put the touchdown in the bank. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable play. I mean, that's one that I don't think any of us are ever going to forget. Um, just quick question. One of the debate points I've heard uh, brought up is, should Randall Cobb have not taken it into the end zone and uh, allow yourself to kick a field goal there? Oh, I, I guess I haven't heard that discussion at all. That's interesting. Um I guess I'm always of the belief that you just get the touchdown. I guess I can see from a tr- strategic standpoint it mm-hmm. makes sense to kick the field goal, but anything can happen there, and you hate to do that and then not score at all. I mean, can you imagine the backlash if that mm-hmm. happens? So mm-hmm. I guess if you've got a touchdown right there, oh, that's a tough one. I, I'm good with him scoring. It mm-hmm. turned out well, and they still needed a touchdown. It's not like you, you go in and you score and you're up by – I don't. it wouldn't make sense to do that <laughs> for a field goal anyways. Sure. But, but I, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad he scored there. I, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I don't like taking the chance on something happening at the one yard line. I agree 100% with you. You gotta score that touchdown there. Uh, I mean, your defense might be bad, but you have to take a chance that they're gonna make a stop with 38 seconds left. You really only have to stop them on three or four plays. <laughs> and to think that you're gonna stop at the one yard line, and we've seen it in Soldier Field. We saw it last week. Field goals get blocked even when you're super close, especially when guys are charged up to block it with their season on the line, and you know, your guys that don't play very much that are blocking for the field goal team might whiff on something. You absolutely got to take that into the end zone, and I, I really don't think there's much of an argument otherwise. Um, maybe yeah, if there was two minutes left, but not with 38 seconds. No, I mean, it's it's hard enough to score a touchdown at any point when you only have 38 seconds left, and not to mention when you have Sam Shields on your defense, too. Mm-hmm. That that always helps with your confidence a little bit there in those big situations, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, what do Bears fans think of Sam Shields these days? Uh, with two uh, interceptions to seal both of the biggest games that have been played at Soldier Field in the last few years? <laughs> Yeah, I am. Uh, I don't know. I I heard some somebody, one of the announcers earlier this year, said he was the best uh, DB on the team, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of strange." I've always been a huge Tremont fan, but mm-hmm. and I still think Tremont's really good. But Sam Shields, I, I, he's looking great lately. And he makes huge plays all the time, mm-hmm. and he's not only been a big play guy, but he, he's been a shutdown guy too. Yeah, I would agree. And the only real big plays that he got beat on, did he get beat on the Brandon Marshall touchdown? Was that him? I think it 
was, but I think I mean the coverage was still pretty. Or no, that was Tremont actually. I think. Okay. Well, I wasn't going to give him showing his face afterwards and being like, I can't believe he caught that one. Well, I wasn't going to give him blame for that anyways. That was just a great adjustment. And he did get beat, I think, by Marshall along the sidelines, but Jay Cutler threw maybe one of the best top five passes I've ever seen him throw, right, you know, just over his back shoulder and caught it along the sidelines. So I, he played great yesterday. And, you know, really, as much as the defense still gave up 28 points, I thought they did a real nice job of hanging in there. And, yeah. you know, they, they got him the ball back and really – the reverse of what the Bears did to the Packers back in November, the Packers were able to do on that final drive. It was something like 14, 15 plays. They t- they got the ball with like seven minutes remaining. The Bears didn't get it back until, you know, 38 seconds left. And so I, I think the defense is much maligned as they have been and deservedly so the criticism they've gotten. Um, I thought they definitely held their own and contributed uh, quite a bit to the victory yesterday. Yeah, it definitely helps when you're compared to the Bears defense and how that looks right now. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine being a Bears fan. I, well, I guess we've been on the other end of it, but watching that last drive and just seeing us convert on all these third and fourth downs, mm-hmm. um, a couple of fourth downs, and then obviously the big one. I can't, I can't imagine having to sit there and watch that and watch your season go down the drain that way. Well, especially, it's hard enough as a Packer fan to watch it, but it's, you know, like going back to the perspective thing again. We won the Super Bowl three years ago. We've won the division, you know, the, this is the third straight year. We've been in the playoffs five straight years. The Bears have seen their really, really good starts evaporate away into nothing each of the last three years. And the, the, their best year in this run was 2010 where the Packers came into their building and beat them to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, this has just got to be one of the most awful periods ever to be a Bears fan. Yeah, and, and I don't really... As much as some of the other teams in the division, I don't really have that much against Chicago right now, maybe because we have their numbers so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it just feels so good. Like, you know those Bears <laughs> fans down there are just you know just dying inside because we did it to them again, and that's a good feeling as a Packer fan. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those nice things about sports. Uh, I always think of uh, the Magic and Bird documentary that was on HBO probably five, ten years ago, and it's awesome. I've uh, since bought it, and one of the comments is, uh, Magic Johnson uh, is softened a little bit in years, where Larry Bird's still the grizzled competitor even years later, and they're talking about when Bird beat Magic in the NBA Finals, and Magic is like, well, you know, Larry's a great player, what can you do? And Larry Bird said, the best thing about that is I knew Magic was in the other locker room just suffering. That's the best part of winning. Not only winning and feeling great, but knowing the other guys just hate in his life <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh this is a guy you actually are friends with but that's kind of how you feel as a fan of the uh you know when you're a invested fan part of you gets a little chuckle out of wondering how it feels to be in those other three nfc north cities right now well and I, we all know you know there's a ton of vikings fans over here there's a ton of bears fans over there by you it's just mm-hmm. nice knowing that none of them can say anything to us <laughs> ever because we just crush them they've got nothing on us in super bowl wins they've had nothing on us lately and it's just nice to know that any fans that you're probably going to run across of other teams just can't say anything to you because you've just owned them yeah well they got those 85 bears though the best team in super bowl history you know back yeah. when uh, phil collins was singing su su studio the bears were the best so <laughs> You know, they, they always got that to hang their hat on, or they still try to hang their hat on yeah. that. All right, um, another thing, I guess, is I, I don't even know where to go from here. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Mike McCarthy? I thought it's hard for me to judge, you know, after this season, how good of a football coach he is. And, 
Still yesterday, it felt like there was times when he was trying to give it away against one of the worst rush defenses of all time on third and one with an absolute horse of a back. He goes five wide and <laughs> throws a deep pass that's incomplete. But um, I guess what are your assessments on the job he's done, uh, not only yesterday, but this whole season? Yeah, and I'm really actually torn on this, too. I know you've, in your text, sometimes you rip on him a lot. I hear everybody <laughs> ripping on him all the time, and I've always been a big backer. This season, I've kind of wavered a little bit. I thought he did a pretty nice job yesterday, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the short passing game was working so well. That that fourth and uh, short to Jordy on that quick out, if they don't yeah. convert that, that's that a gutsy call. second guessing a little bit, but... At the same time, Lacey ran really, really well in the first half, but he only ended with 3.1 yards of carry. Sure. I, he was getting just absolutely stuffed in the second half there, whereas the passing game was working. Although I think Starks had a, a yes. pretty monster game. Yeah, Starks had 8 yards of pop, so I would have liked to maybe see him get get more touches. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess yesterday alone, I've got, I'm not coming away saying anything about McCarthy, really. Um, season as a whole... I get, I, the team is what it is. I don't know really more what you want from him. I mean, the team is not good without Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know if that's necessarily his fault at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know. Maybe I need more time to think about this. I, I'm still okay with him being the Packers coach, obviously, for the near future, but um, yeah, I guess I'm the jury's still out for me. Yeah, and I guess I... There's some in-game things that still frustrate me about yeah. him, but I guess that's just something I'm going to have to accept that it's his philosophy. Well, and you're never really going to have a coach where you don't feel that way either. I mean, we felt that way about Sherman, and you know we'll feel that way about the next co- coach after McCarthy too. You're not going to agree with everything. It's just mm-hmm. kind of the nature of the beast. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, Did I cut out or something? Or? No, you didn't. I just, oh, freaking... Sam Jackson in the Capital One commercial is playing in the background as I'm on Pro Football Reference here, so I was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering what the heck was going on. Um, yeah, I guess going back to the point, though, um, part of me is kind of standing by my point I made earlier in the season when Aaron Rodgers was hurt, that the longer Rodgers was out, the more Mike McCarthy looked you know, less like Bill Belichick and more like Ken Wisenhunt, where... Yeah. Ken Wisenhunt was a great coach when Kurt Warner was his quarterback. Uh, when John Skelton was his quarterback, he wasn't a very good coach. And But then, you know, who is who yeah, has who been a good yet. coach? O- outside of maybe Joe Gibbs, I, I can't think of anybody who did it without a good quarterback uh, right. consistently. Bill Belichick, when he had Vinny Testaverde and Bernie Kosar, who certainly aren't bottom-barrel quarterbacks, was a 7-9 and football team every year. So I guess... The fact that he got Matt Flynn, who, as much as I appreciate Matt Flynn for for what he did, and you know he'll always have that moment in Dallas, he'll always have that game against the Lions. Where would you rank Matt Flynn amongst backup quarterbacks? Is he even in the top third? No, probably not. I mean, he, I would say maybe top two thirds, but from an actual raw talent standpoint, that they could even do anything. And and they they've scored thirty points three straight weeks now. With one with Rodgers, two with Flynn, and I know they've had played some suspect defenses, but he's really kept them in it. He's kept these guys believing, and at times he makes some weird in-game decisions, but it's kind of based on his philosophy that I think he's chosen a long time ago. He's going to live and die passing the football, and uh, as much as I want to sit there and see him run it on third and one, he's not going to do it very often. And so I think I still don't think he's that top all-time great coach. I don't even know if I'd put him in the same class as Holmgren, but I guess this 
stretch and then finally clinching it yesterday maybe makes me appreciate him a little bit more. Sure. Where would you rank him amongst the NFL coaches? Do you have a number, you know, in the 8, 9, 10? I don't know. I'd say that's about right. I I guess I don't know who There's so much turnover every year. I mean, it's hard to really judge in the coaches. Um, would he be top I mean, five? I, I guess that's the better argument. Yeah, I I would think so, just because how many coaches are still around that have won Super Bowls? I mean, maybe you say, you know, Belichick, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin. Um, but even when you get to the Mike Tomlin range, I don't even yeah. know how I feel about, you know, him or McCarthy, too. So And Brian Billick has a Super Bowl, so. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, so I guess I would. I would be comfortable saying top five. I might want to look down the teams a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I, I'll take them, I, I guess. Yeah, and uh, it's it's one of those things where I was thinking this today when there's some times where I'm just like, gosh, this team should be so much better than it is. Um, and then there's other times I'm like, I, I'm shocked they're as good as they are. And I think it just goes kind of the ebbs and flows of week to week. But when I was thinking about that today, I'm like, Hypothetically, let's say they would get rid of McCarthy for whatever reason, whether it's a dispute with Rodgers or they think they're wasting their potential. Who can you think of that would that you would confidently say could do as good a job as he's done? And I, I guess I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Even if you grab, you know, Bill Belichick or something, you know, it's really I, I don't know. It's I think it's just. The, the league is so dependent on quarterbacks. I mean, John Fox looks like Vince Lombardi when Peyton Manning's playing for him. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know. Yeah. All right, so this game was incredible. I don't know, Matt, do you have anything else maybe that you wanted to point out about this game that uh, we haven't addressed yet? No, not really. Um, no, I, I mean, it, the, one just small thing quick that was kind of on my mind to start the game that I was a little frustrated with McCarthy that we didn't see more with Flynn, and it's maybe accuracy-related, but how they started that game with all those quick passes, I mean, that was great to see. It was almost like a lost part of the offense. Yeah. Were, I was kind of wondering why they couldn't run that more with Flynn, and there's, there probably is a good reason for it, but I was like, that's so easy to run like that, and and Rodgers was just picking them apart down the field, and that was just fantastic to see. I just um, don't just, think Flynn has the arm strength to make those throws. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be, but I, I don't know. It was just great seeing Rodgers get that. He got the ball up quick and have to worry about getting hit. And it's just what, even when Rodgers was playing earlier this year, I was just like begging for an offense like that. So that was just wonderful to see. Well, and I think they did try it a little bit now that thinking back on it with Tolzien, but all of his passes were getting batted down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think Rodgers just, you know, with his eyes and with his release, I mean, he's got a way where when they show the super-duper slow-mo where he is looking at a spot and then his arm either comes at an angle that goes around where he's looking or he's not looking where he's throwing. And, you know, his passes hardly ever get batted down, where when we saw Flynn and Tolzien try to make those throws, they either couldn't fit them in there because they don't have, uh, for Flynn's case, doesn't have the arm strength, or in Tolzien's case, it felt like every third pass was getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that's true. One thing I did want to talk about that I just thought of that you had texted me yesterday, um, I'm not usually one to subscribe to the theory that the TV commentators uh, care who wins the game, but... Even watching back the iTunes highlights to yesterday's game, boy, did it feel like Joe Buck had money on the Chicago Bears. Yeah, it was wild. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Everybody always tells me how much they hate Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and I stand up for him because I think they're good big, big game announcers, mm-hmm. and I think that I'd rather have them call my game than most of the other guys out there. Mm-hmm. But I was getting so frustrated. <laughs> 
and it, I don't have a conspiracy theory, but it was just really weird how one-sided it sounded. And mm-hmm. uh, Joe Buck did at least show a little enthusiasm on that Cobb touchdown at the end there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, throughout the whole game, like every time the Packers did anything, it was like, oh, that you know, that there's no way. Or like when they do the challenges, they were always on the Bears' side. I, it just seems like he was so excited <laughs> for the Bears doing everything right. And there was one point early in the game. Uh, I think the Bears were only up 7 nothing, and then they came back from commercial break, and Joe Buck's like, well, NFC North, so good so far here. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like waiting. It, I don't know. It, it did seem really weird. Well, and I watched the, the, the highlights that they have iTunes. You can buy the highlights of the game for like a buck or two. Yeah. And uh, so I tend to buy the victories just to, you know, take them all in and watch them in 10 minutes or whatever. And there were just some curious calls where – I remember there was one, like a quick, you know, throw to the flats to Matt Forte, and he got like 12 yards, and he's like, this is Forte! First down, Bears! And then on the next drive, Jordy Nelson has that uh, quick out there, he breaks like six tackles and runs for like 30 yards, and he's like, here's Nelson! Nelson taking it into Bears territory. And then as it went along, it's like somebody pointed it out to him because he'd start like that. Here's James Jones, 20 yards down the field! Like, Troy nudged him and like, hey, Joe, you know, you got to be excited here. Um, I'm sure we're reading way too much into it. but uh, And I did definitely feel in the pregame like they wanted the Bears to win so bad. And I think it has a little bit to do with Howie Long's kid playing there. Oh, sure. Which is fine, but... It was really, really, really ticking me off, and I was uh, a little bit extra happy uh, that they had to come back and go over the Packers' victory highlights at at the end of the game there. Yeah, I've I've never felt that way really, but I, it was hitting me yesterday, and I don't know why, but it, it was kind of uh, kind of pissed me off a little bit. Well, and two, it felt like all week. I don't know how much ESPN you watched with the holidays and everything, but it felt like they were framing it for a big Bears like epic sure. victory. Like they built up the Packers like if the Bears would have won, they had beaten the 2011 Packers, mm-hmm. and, and not a team that was seven seven and one. And right. they were talking like Aaron Rodgers had Peyton Manning season coming in, and not that he had been off for two months. Sure. Like they, it felt to me very transparent that they were trying to frame it so that they could come on Sports Center and be like, "This is the biggest win in Bears history," mm-hmm. and uh, you know that just. I'm sure it's just us being overly sensitive, especially, you know, thinking we might have lost yesterday uh, right up until the end there. But yeah. it, it was a little bit extra sweet to be like, yeah, we're still here. Mm-hmm. All right, so a lot of other interesting things happening in the NFL yesterday. The playoff field has been set clearly now that the season is over. Um, do you want to just touch upon uh, the wild card games and then maybe our very wide-ranging predictions for what might happen in the playoffs? Sure, and how about being a, a Steelers fan watching that Chargers game oh. yesterday? I can't imagine. I mean, the, the the NFL announces today that they missed the call on that field goal. I don't know if you heard that at all. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, the, the they um on the Chiefs' last missed. field goal that suck up Mick missed. The mm. new rules state that you can't have. Um, I think it's more than six guys on one side of the the center, and they had seven. They were just completely loaded to one side. That's supposed to be illegal. Okay. It was missed. It would have made it a, a 36-yard redo of a field goal and probably a, a hit and a make. Okay. So that would that would have put Pittsburgh into the playoffs. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of strange. But I guess you can't feel too bad for an eight and eight team not making the playoffs. Yeah, and especially going back to that fateful 2008 Super Bowl, you got to play the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. That's true. So I never feel bad for you ever again. And even get to play that Seahawks team back then, too. They've gotten a couple of easy <laughs> Super Bowl wins. So Well, and both, or all three of their runs to the Super Bowl, they didn't have to play um, 
they didn't have to play Tom Brady in either of those three seasons, and they only played Peyton Manning one time. Um, wow. So who can't go to the Super Bowl beating Mark Sanchez and Joe Flacco a whole bunch of times? But uh, in terms of the games themselves here, do you want to just kind of go one by one and just do predictions? Is that what you want to do here? Or? Yeah, I think uh, we'll just do them in order uh, is, uh, that they'll be played. So let's start with the uh, Saturday afternoon game, which is... I believe the Chiefs at the Colts, and so this is going to be an interesting one. The Chiefs have lost five of their last seven games after starting 9-0, and and uh, they have a chance to set a very dubious record that Detroit tied a couple years ago. Kansas City has lost seven consecutive postseason games. Uh, they have not won since the divisional round of the 93 playoffs. Uh, so then they had their loss in the AFC Championship game to Buffalo, and then since then all six of their playoff appearances have been one and dones. So if they lose to the Colts, that'll be eight straight playoff losses, and uh, that's as far as I can tell, and I, I looked up the numbers a, a couple years ago when Detroit was doing it, that uh, and I have it on a spreadsheet somewhere on my nerd folders on my computer here, but I'm pretty sure that's worst all time for most consecutive playoff losses. Do you think Kansas City will break a record on Sunday? I don't think they, I mean, on I think Saturday. they win. <laughs> I think that... Um... I mean, honestly, these could very well be two of the weaker teams in the playoffs. I'm not too super into any of these AFC teams in the wild card round, but mm-hmm. um, uh, the Colts have just been so bad at times. And when the Chiefs have been good, they've they've been really good at, at times too. Mm-hmm. So I think the Colts just beat the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. Is that right? Yep, and Arrowhead. Yeah, pretty um, decisively too. I, I I was driving to the Packer game during that, so I didn't see it, but I I thought I remember the score being like a 24-7 something like that. Sure, um, but. I don't know. I, I feel that the Chiefs team is a, is a better team overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like Andrew Luck a little bit better at quarterback, but I think that's about where it ends. And he hasn't even been great this year either. I just don't think this Colts team is ready yet. Um, I don't think the Chiefs make a run by any means, but I think they probably win an ugly game here. Yeah, and I feel a lot better about the Chiefs than I did before yesterday, seeing how good their backups were. Yeah, they're deep at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... I, I felt bad for the Chargers, and I guess uh, I was thinking of that for Pittsburgh too, where you know they they're mad at Kansas City or whatever. But I was thinking of the the heartbreaking for my second favorite team back in 2004 when I just needed Drew Bledsoe's Bills to beat Pittsburgh's backups, and then they oh, would have yeah. been a wild card team. And then Pittsburgh's backups went into into Buffalo and just stomped them. I think beat them by like you know 12, 13 points. So um, you know, I guess. You can't get in every year, and you know, like you said, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. But getting back to Kansas City, I think that I really don't know what can happen in this one. And, you know, at home, ugh. I mean, you wouldn't really be surprised if it was a blowout either way. No. <laughs> These teams are just are just such enigmas. I mean, you could see, you know, Jekyll and Hyde every week. You could see either one of these really good or really bad show up. Yeah, and uh, now just looking at it, Kansas City lost uh, 23-7. to They committed three turnovers, and uh, the uh, Colts did not turn it over at all. So I, I still feel like the Colts are going to win because they're at home, and they're a little hotter coming into the playoffs. So I guess I will disagree, and I'll say that the Colts will win, but I'm, I'm not very confident on that. Yeah. All right, so now let's go to the first NFC game, which is going to be the night game on uh, NBC on Saturday night, which is the New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't know about you, Matt, but this one's a this one's a real tough one to pick. Yeah, I, this is the one I'm having the most uh, difficult time with. 
I'm leaning towards New Orleans, but you've seen what they've done on the road. I mean, just inexplicably, they can't do anything offensively, and you can't really fathom that when Drew Brees is your quarterback and you've got all those weapons, but they haven't done anything on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man, but their defense has been pretty good this year. And, uh, yeah, fourth scoring def- defense this year. I'm not sure. I, it, it just seems that they're always in these lower scoring games, despite, you know, kind of our preconception of what they are. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with New Orleans on this one on the road. I just think Philly's defense is, is not very good, and I think Drew Brees kind of has his way with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a tough pick, but, um, I think I'd take Drew Brees over Nick Foles. Yeah, and that's a tough one because the, Philadelphia Eagles don't seem to be very good at home. I mean, the Bears game kind of erased some of that, but they'd been that'd been the storyline for them all season is how much they had struggled at home. And but New Orleans, uh, they were three and five on the road this year, scoring 27, 26, 20, 17, 16, 16, 13, and seven points. Wow. Um, at home, they scored 49, 42, 38, 35, 31, 31, 23, and 23. Um, just completely different team. On, on the road, but their defense has been pretty solid all year. Um, 19 points a game allowed, just over 300 points. So, um, you know, that's a fourth scoring defense in the NFL, so that's definitely very good. Uh, fourth defense overall in yardage. So oh. I feel like I would take Drew Brees over um, over Nick Foles at this point. Um, it, it's tough to say because I don't know if New Orleans has ever won a road playoff game other than the Super Bowl, so uh, that would be interesting for them. But I guess in uh, all things equal in the playoffs, you got to go with the team that has the better defense and the better quarterback, even if they're on the road. So I'll take New Orleans as well. Sure. All right, and now the San Diego Superchargers taking on the... Uh, Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, a rematch of the frame, famous Freezer Bowl of 1982, um, where the Chargers lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 27-7 to in the, what, a bajillion degrees below zero or whatever they say. Um, do you think we'll have a replay of that and Cincinnati will finally win a playoff game for the first time in almost 25 years? Uh, I think so. I mean... I, I was kind of a San Diego believer, but then just watching this last week of football, Cincinnati won a game against a team that had to have it, and despite their quarterback throwing four picks. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan, but uh, I think their defense is pretty good. They at least have a running game, mm-hmm. and I mean he, he's got some big threats. I don't think he's a great quarterback, and I think Phillip Rivers is probably better, but I like his supporting cast a lot better, and the fact that they're at home... I, I just was really underwhelmed by San Diego, obviously, yesterday, almost losing to backups with everything on the line. So mm-hmm. um, I guess I'd take Cincinnati here. Yeah, and I'm going to agree. They are undefeated at home this year, although they probably yes. should have lost to the Packers. Uh, but, yeah, I think my opinion of San Diego went down quite a bit after seeing them yesterday. And I don't know. I, I just feel like Cincinnati's due. They're finally getting this home playoff game with this regime. They've been working for that for three years. I don't think they're going to screw it up. And two, another team like New Orleans, incredibly balanced, sixth uh, in the league in scoring and fifth in fewest points allowed. Uh, so that's you know about all you can ask for. And the, that kind of balance certainly gives them a, an outside shot to maybe even make a Super Bowl run in the AFC. Yeah. So I, I think that they're definitely just a better team top to bottom than uh, – um, than the Chargers, so even the fact yesterday that Dalton threw four picks and they were still able to win quite easily against you know a team that's not much better than San Diego, so yep. uh, not much worse, I should say. So I'll take the Bengals. 
And I guess before we make our Packer predictions, uh, while we're in the AFC, who do you think at this point is most likely to come out of the AFC this year? Man, I have no idea. I mean, it, you kind of want to go with paper and just say Denver, but <laughs> we've seen it so many times with Peyton in the playoffs, um, and it's going to be in cold weather in Denver. But I just don't know if I see any of these other teams being good enough to beat them. I could maybe see Cincinnati on a good day, you know, getting them, but there just isn't another team that I feel is good enough to really make a run. So I guess as much as I don't want to and I almost don't believe it, I guess I just have to say Denver. Yeah, and I think if they don't do it this year, Peyton ought to just call it quits. I mean, that's ridiculous. And they're apparently the NFL can't have a team that's dominant on both sides of the ball because the Broncos scored 606 points, by far the most in history, uh, almost outscoring the 2007 Patriots by, what, almost 30 points. And... But they're 22nd in the league, almost allowing 400 points. So it, they're a statistical clone of the 2011 Packers. And, you know, Peyton obviously is hard to take uh, seriously in the playoffs, even with his video game season that he's had this year. I feel like you just said that I don't know who can take it away from him, but I don't believe that they're going to do it until I see it. We felt the same way last year, though, too. We we felt that nobody was going to beat them, and I think there was a better pool of other teams around them last year than there was than this year. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we didn't think the Ravens were anything going into the postseason last year, so that could be any of these four wildcard teams do the same thing here. So um, A I few turnovers, and that's all it takes in the NFL these days. Yep, and that's probably what's going to happen. It's One of these teams is going to come in and, and beat Denver at home. So, yeah, I'm with you. I just I can't pick which one of the four it's going to be, but... Somebody will probably beat Denver. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see Cincinnati doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have a pretty good defense, and I, I don't know. San Diego just did it, but I don't think they're going to win in mile high twice, you know, in one season. And, yeah. Um, but Cincinnati would have to get through New England to play them, correct? Uh, yeah, they would because they're the three seed, right? They, so, yeah. Yeah, so, well, then that probably disqualifies them. I mean, I don't think New England can do it. I don't think New England's very good at all this year. No, they're I don't either. playing like a historically bad division. All right, so now let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, who are hosting the San Francisco 49ers in what's becoming to feel a little bit like a Dallas Cowboys 1990s-style rivalry, where we just can't seem to figure these guys out. Uh, last year was bookended by losses to the 49ers, and there's the potential for that this year as well. Uh, they lost to them in what feels like a game that took place five years ago on Week 1 uh, against Colin Kaepernick. They lost, I believe, 34-28. to uh, now I guess we get them in our house, so we'll show them who's boss, or uh, maybe maybe not. Uh, Matt, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I it's just so hard to kind of overcome what we've seen lately from when these team, two teams have played, and I think that San Francisco is better, and I think that we're worse than we were week one when we played them then. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you always have a shot when you have Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know how this defense plays any better than they did in week one. I mean, they only had Anquan Bolden and and Vernon Davis to deal with. Now they got Crabtree back. Mm -hmm. Um, Their running game is fantastic. Our run defense is awful. So, I I don't know. I feel like Aaron Rodgers won't be able to keep up with what they're going to do to us because their defense is so good, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to pick the Packers so bad, but I just, I guess I don't have any good reason to do it. I think I'm, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick San Francisco here. 
Yeah, I would be shocked if the Packers win this game, in all honesty. And at this point, it's just gravy, I think, after coming back and winning. And the mystique of Lambeau Field in the playoffs is long gone anyway, so it's not like you're ruining anything if you lose to the 49ers, even if you lose badly to the 49ers. Um, They've lost badly with better teams to worse teams. Yeah. Um, Just for reference, Kaepernick has really kind of gotten better towards the end of the year, but his 412 yards passing in week one is still 13% of his season output uh, yardage-wise. Yesterday was his only other 300-yard game of the season, and he had 400 against Dom's defense. So, you know, this guy seems to be kind of a run-of-the-mill quarterback who is probably no better than Alex Smith would have been on this offense, except when he plays Dom's defense, he... You know, is the greatest player of all time. <laughs> so I don't see how they're going to stop him. Uh, the only way they slowed him down on some drives uh, in week one was because he seemed to be completely terrified of Clay Matthews after all of the rhetoric that was talked leading up to that game. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously not going to be a problem. I don't see anybody on this defense who can run him down, who can cover Anquan Bolden, who can cover Vernon Davis. I think outside of Aaron Rodgers having a 400-yard, five-touchdown game, I don't see how the Packers have any chance to win this game. No, I, I, I don't either. It, it, you hate to pick against them in the play. I don't think I've ever picked against the Packers in the playoffs, but I just I just don't see it happening. I, I don't know. I would love to think of a way that, that I can see it being a possibility, but this defense, this team is, in general is so banked up. Um, I don't know. I just think their defense is too good. Mm-hmm. Even given the recovery to come back and win this awful division that the Packers play in, and they did make the playoffs, I don't know about you, but I still don't think I would bring Dom Capers back. No, I I wouldn't. I mean, he's proven season in, season out. I mean, what are we, number 26 in total defense this year? Uh, We crept up to 25, and the Bears got all the way to uh, almost pushing the Packers' allowed yardage over 6,000, but at 59-56, the Packers stood tall. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just been so consistently bad. I don't... He will be back. (laughs) I can almost guarantee you it, but I think... You and I, as, as well as most other Packer fans, would like to see a change. I guess maybe we can just hope he steps down. Retires? Um, yeah, because I don't think that Ted Thompson makes a change there. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there, there's a chance he might retire. If they go on to win the Super Bowl, he probably would retire. Yeah. But I think if that'll only happen if Century Lake Field befalls an earthquake and then a whole bunch of other pl- <laughs> players get injured, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um I know last year I said in an offhand comment that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, like totally nonchalant and joking, and then it happened. So I sure hope that Seattle doesn't get an earthquake. (laughs) Um, I guess that should go without saying. Um, One thing I wanted to kind of talk about before we wrap up here is we had kind of talked, I think, off the show, and I know Caleb and I had talked about this, is we had talked about how this might be one of the worst seasons in Packer history, and where does this rank? And then, as far as the legacy of this season, it has been completely rescued by two of the last three games. Um, two of the best regular season games in our time watching the Packers have occurred in the last three weeks. And I guess, let's even say they get blown out by San Francisco on Sunday. Where does this season rank as far as, you know, Packers seasons? Well, I don't think it ever had a, 
was in the conversation of worst Packers season ever. They had a couple of decades where they were pretty darn bad. Um, we just didn't get a chance to see it. But Yeah, but being but, bad, like, who thinks it's worse, when the Cubs lose 100 games or when the Yankees miss the playoffs? You know, it's it's, it's kind of the whole, uh, the, the curse debate that they used to have before Boston became a dynasty was, who has it worse, the Cubs, who are bad all the time, or the Red Sox, who almost win all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's see here, just real quick. I mean, obviously, I put it um, behind 96, 03, 07, and 10, for sure. Oh, as far as great seasons? Yep. Yeah. So I guess maybe around, at least in our lifetime, I, you've probably gone back and watched all those other seasons, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess at least in the 26 years I've been alive, I'd say I'd, I'd maybe rank this one fifth or sixth on, on favorites just because of what's happened here down the stretch. And I don't feel that way at all, actually. I mean, the last two games have been phenomenal, and they're some of my favorite memories, but the rest of this season, the middle of this season was is awful as we've seen as Packer fans. 05 was easier. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's even close, honestly, is, you know, 08 was tough because you wanted them to win, but it was a new quarterback. You kind of knew Aaron Rodgers was good even while they were losing, so you didn't think you were going to be bad forever. Whereas this year in the middle it felt like, Aaron Rodgers is turning 30. Our coaching staff is not that good. Some of these players that we thought were great are not very, you know, aren't as good as we thought they were. We're wasting a year of Aaron Rodgers' prime. And the only other season I can think of that was as frustrating as this one was in recent memory was 2009 because even as the Packers were winning, Brett Favre was one-upping them on a weekly basis. And sure. so I think that one was worse. I, this certainly. I don't know. I, the last two weeks really rescued it, so it's it's the ultimate bittersweet season for me because it was absolutely great two of the last three weeks. But to get to these last two weeks, we had to watch some horrible football. And in addition, Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. Clay Matthews suffers what could be a long-term injury. Uh, Jermichael Finley. Finley might be finished with football. I mean, there's certainly there's certainly some bad things that maybe don't equal what's happened the last two weeks, but have put a damper on the season from start to finish. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, we, we did have some moments here this season, too, that you don't normally get on a on a kind of average season. I mean, just absolutely incredible. But the season also hasn't ended yet, so I'm not left with a bad taste in my mouth. Like, <laughs> Yar, yet. you know, I mean, it yeah. still could, could change. Because now you look back on seasons like 02 and all these years that were good during the regular season, and then you hate them because of how it ended. <laughs> So, I mean, or even was... 03, I know, I wish I was as positive as you, but I, when I think of 03, I know I'm supposed to think of Nate Poole in the corner of the end zone. I don't. I think of frickin' Freddie Mitchell catching a pass 32 yards past the line of scrimmage with, uh, yeah. Darren Sharper watching him catch it. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. Maybe if they go on to win the Super Bowl and, I might have to eat a whole lot of crow if this team wins the Super Bowl. They've, <laughs> they've given up more points than they've allowed this year. This They would be easily – I'm not even going to – they're the worst team to ever win a Super Bowl if they win the Super Bowl this year. I think they're worse than the 2011 Giants. Hmm. Yep, I, I, I guess I, I was going to disagree with you there, but – yeah, that's. I guess that's a conversation for another day. But yeah. there's been a, there's been a few bad teams, and and we do have Aaron Rodgers, so that kind of gives you something. But yeah, it's it's definitely not one of our best teams or one of the best teams that have won it. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and you almost wonder that the argument I always make where where have all the great teams gone and the Super Bowl doesn't mean that much anymore, and certainly I hope the Packers win the Super Bowl, and I I, I can live with being a hypocrite that I can say I want dominant teams unless my team wins. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if Seattle or Denver doesn't do this year, I don't know what it's going to take to be good from beginning to end in the NFL anymore. Um, but we'll see. Um It'll definitely be interesting. There's certainly some powerhouses looming for the Packers, and it'll be interesting to see them uh, get the opportunity to match up against some of them. And quite frankly, they're playing one of the strongest teams they might have to face on Sunday. So Matt and I both think they're going to get dominated, and we'll probably be uh, (laughs) finished after this week. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, If the Atlanta Falcons could come in in 2002 and beat uh, Brett Favre and the 12-4 and Packers in the snow, then why the heck can't the Packers do that to Colin Kaepernick? That's right. All right, so let's wrap this up here. Um, I guess if win or lose, we'll be back next week, and then we'll probably uh, be here for the duration of the playoffs, and then we'll be more sporadic during the offseason. Hopefully we can have – I don't know about you, Matt, but people have been emailing me constantly, you know, people from Hollywood, people from you know Washington, people from all over the world asking if they can host the second annual Goldie Awards. Yeah, and my phone's been blowing up. It's crazy, <laughs> like some of the names that are calling it. Well, and, and – just for confidentiality, we're not going to share any of those names out of respect for those people. But, you know, trust me, they're they're contacting us. And, you know, we might just, to, to be fair to all of them, we might just have to host it ourselves. I think so. All right. So hopefully that's uh, maybe five weeks down the, down the road after a Packers Super Bowl. But, hey, we made it to the playoffs. We've gotten through this horrible season. Who knows what joys or terrors await us in the playoffs. Uh, but hopefully uh, something good will happen at least on Sunday. So, For Matt Out in Eau Claire, I'm Eric in Oshkosh. We've had two of the best games ever in the last three weeks. Maybe we can have another one on Sunday. Uh, Enjoy it. Take care, everyone.